0: I have something to talk about for our like cold open segment that we do. Uh, cold I have open. a, uh, I have the body count that I keep talking about, but I want to like go over some numbers with you. I, th- I think it'll be funny.
1: We don't do a cold open though. Cold open is like a bit like before the show starts, like before the credits and stuff, isn't it?
0: Oh, you're right. So I, I guess I just mean like first, first segment, like the thing we talk about before we jump into the. That's not a cold open
1: yeah yeah it would be like an snl thing you know where they just come on and it's like fake trump there and then i mean it'd be cool if we had a cold open for the show we could certainly consider that then we could even think we need one no but if we maybe we could like resurrect don pardo and he can say live from new york it's weird elder day night live What's up, everybody? I am Jay from the Masters of None podcast. With me, of course, is my co-host, Jay Shinoin. What's up, Jay? Yeah, buddy. And this is Masters of None Presents Weird Albums, uh, episode four. Right? Four. Yeah, four. We're doing uh, even... No, it's five. This is five. Oh, this is my episode five. Oh, my God. Weird, actually, it's episode five. <laughs> the comeback album, 1988's Weird Al Yankovic, Even Worse, and... I'm excited, man. I I was excited to listen to this one.
0: I listened to it many
1: times because it really
0: was... I'm psyched as well, yeah. Tr- what I think is really funny, play. though, is when I was looking at it, because last week heading into this episode, you said, he takes a little break, doesn't he? Because it was kind of like a comeback. I looked, it's two years mm-hmm. instead of one in between <laughs> albums this time.
1: <laughs> well, it definitely shows, and we'll get into that and why and some examples and stuff. But you have uh, a new segment you want to do, <laughs> something called, what is it, like
0: the Weird Owl Body Count because we were talking about how many I've, people... Uh, I mean, that's an iced tea band, but we could, <laughs> we could maybe try to steal that from him if we wanted to. I keep mentioning that I want to I wanna keep track of a death tally in the <laughs> Weird Al discography. So I went back and I revisited to make sure that I'm keeping up with the deaths. And I think it's good to get on top of it sooner rather than later, especially because some of our more recent albums have upped our tally by a lot. Yeah. There's some that are very clear. Mr. Frump dies at the end. That's one. That's mm-hmm. one body. It's <laughs> Mr. Frump. We do need to talk about a few. Nature trail to hell. So many Boy Scouts. Well, he mentions that a homicidal maniac finds a Cub Scout troop. He says that in every scene, he kills two or three. Okay. So I did some Googling. Your average movie script has about 100 scenes in it. <laughs> oh, boy. So that could be two to three hundred Cub Scouts. (laughs) However, your average Cub Scout troop has 20 to 30 Cub Scouts in it. Oh, geez. So there's a disparity in our numbers here. Do the scenes stop having that same number of murders once we're down to like the final girl of the final cub? Do we maintain the high numbers? Are we at like 300 already with our second entry or are we limited by the number of... Of Cub Scouts. I mean, you are the inventor of weird algebra, so you have to decide these things, (laughs) not me. Uh, I'm going to say that we are capped at the maximum of a Cub Scout troop, which according to my research is about 30. So we're going to say that Nature Trail to Hell gets us up 30. Okay. Like a surgeon, straightforward. One patient. Again, Mr. Frump. One patient. This might be a subcategory at some point if we lose enough people in the medical field. We'll see. I'm keeping track. Don't worry.
1: What about Christmas at Ground Zero, though? Does it say
0: where Ground Zero is and what the population of that city is? No, and I'm getting there. That's Uh-oh. just at the tail end of the album that we're currently talking about. Or no, because that's Poké Party and I'm still on. Dare to be stupid. Oh, but moving on to Poké Party, <clears throat> in one of those days, his mom definitely dies. He <laughs> he clearly says that that she she dies in some way. <laughs> He also says that a 747 crashes into his den. I did some Googling, Jay. A 747 holds 467 passengers. Jesus. Except at the tail end of the song, he says the world explodes and everybody dies. Everybody. So I did a little Googling. In 1986, the world's population was 4.925 <laughs> billion people. So we are already in the billions. We are. Weird Al. <laughs> We're still in the serial 80s. killer of our time. Billions of people have died. <laughs> Maybe the highest body count of any discography already in its first decade. And then finally, Christmas at Ground Zero. Yeah, there's nukes. There's nukes that drop, and it sounds like the nuclear apocalypse is coming. We don't get any explicitly mentioned deaths there, though. Hmm. Well, so that's another one be. I wanted to talk to you about. Is do we count the world's population again because it's an assumed global extinction event?
1: Is there any mention of how many nukes?
0: No. It's, all, it's a very vague end of the world Yuletide scenario <laughs> that he paints. I mean, let's say half the population. How about that? Let's be, gent- let's be kind. Let's just say half. half- I'm even going to round up to make it nice and even for me here. That's going to be a 2.5 billion. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So is that it
1: so far or are
0: we we going I feel like yeah so so we'll we're add this we're album caught up. as we go. Uh that, correct. Yeah, so we are we're ready to jump into even worse. I have I've caught up to uh how many dead people we're supposed to have. They're all accounted for. They're all voting. Tell your uncle to be furious about it. All right, are you going to tell us now what the running count is or are you going to wait till
1: the end of this album?
0: Uh let's wait till the end of this album cuz I have right. some math to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's weird algebra got to get it right. We got to brand that. All right. Let's get into even worse. So Al took two years off. I think it really shows. And uh, the big comeback hit was he went back to the Michael Jackson. Well, he, he was kind of shy about going back to it because he didn't want to be the, known as the guy who rides Michael Jackson's coattails, but he does the parody of Bad, and it's called Fat, and we know it because it's huge. We don't need to play a clip of Fat. Some fun facts is he Michael Jackson let him use the exact same Subway set. That that was not a real subway. Did you know that in the video? I did not know that.
0: I do want to insist that we call them Fat Facts for this. Song. Fat Facts. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I thought it was a real subway station. Um, but no, yeah, that was the actual set that Michael Jackson shot on. He let him use the set, which is cool. Um, there's a, There was an actual pizza delivery guy who was not a professional dancer. as one of the backup dancers in there. And I think there's some great... Now, it's, it could be like the first ever fat shaming song or the beginning of the fat shaming trend. I don't think this would fly if it came out now. Do you? No,
0: there's not a lot of body positivity going on here. No, there's zero.
1: But there are some pretty funny lines in there and funny jokes, and I think that theme will run throughout the album, that you could just tell more thought went into the jokes and the lyrics, especially in the parodies, I think. Even the ones that I don't love so much have some really great lines. When you're only having seconds, I'm having 23rds. When I go to get my shoes shined, I got to take their word. That's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> there are some very good so he does pepper in some like street fat jokes like I got more chintz than Chinatown yep. hello other thing you can't say now <laughs> but he definitely peppers it fills it out sorry if that sounds like a fat pun it wasn't meant to be he definitely fills it out with other originals he he writes his own fat shaming material for this song
1: <laughs> I like it. if I have one more
0: Pi mode I'm gonna need my own zip code that's pretty good It's, yeah, just before we started recording, I was saying this song is great. And it's another one of the, it's very similar to what I said about Eat It. It's another one of those first things that really gets you into Weird Al. We don't feel the need, we don't have a clip ready for it. We don't feel the need to say too much about this song. If you are on episode five of a Weird Al dedicated podcast (laughs) and you are not familiar with the song Fat, I mean, thank you. I feel like it's the first thing we should say to you. For sure. Yeah. But also, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) There are better podcasts for you. This isn't the one. Yeah, there's probably a podcast
1: where they just do like one episode about Weirdo. Not an entire show. (laughs) Yeah, go find Weird One O One. That's what you need. (laughs) All right, track number two is Stuck in a Closet with Vanna White, which is really bizarre it's about a guy having dreams about just kind of telling his doctor about his dreams and the main part of the theme is he's stuck in a closet with vanilla white let's take a listen
0: now I'll be
1: So, catchy tune, kind of a hard rock pastiche, like a little Aerosmith,
0: Van Halen going on in there, I feel like. But just weird, like what a weird choice. Don't think I didn't wince internally when you just said pastiche, I absolutely did. (laughs) I feel it every time. We should change it to pistachio, right? We gotta call it pistachio. In honor of Wally, who,
1: who sent us that bizarre message of a bowl of pistachios
0: and then a link to weird al's youtube videos and we were like "What is to inform us that weird al's videos are on On youtube YouTube, a friend of ours and and i said (laughs) everyone's videos are on youtube but what about the pistachios you know because he does
1: pastiches all right wally's our
0: listener of the week those are absolutely pistachios, though. I agree, Wally. I I hate the word that Jay keeps saying, and I'm a fan of pistachios. Not so much the pudding, but the thing itself. Sure, the pistachio pudding, huh? Wow, pick that over ice cream. I, I'm sorry, I picked the wrong green dairy dessert. <laughs> I mean, food is important. We're on a Weird Al podcast here. Um, We've moved on from the food song. (laughs) Right now, turning letters around is important. Uh, I'm a big fan of Stuck in a Closet with Vanna White. I think it's a fun song, and I think it is one of his let's be real random and Mm -hmm. just let our imaginations run wild and free range. He does that from time to time where you just kind of end up with, yeah, this guy's brain is definitely... It's it's a special thing, and he just kind of shows it off, and that's kind of what he does here. Is there's not it's not very focused, but it's it's a catchy song, and the lyrics are out there for sure. It's yeah, about uh wacky dreams that he keeps having. It's, it's really of, just an excuse for Al to be
1: silly. It's yeah, it's one of the classic Al list of funny weird things songs. One of two on this album. But yeah, it's pretty fun. It's it's interesting that that was the the number two track choice on this. You know, well, original, he usually
0: leads off with, like That's true, yeah, B- the, big, the big, the big
1: hit parody, then a pastiche, and then a parody again. He, yeah, he kind of, yeah, he does that here. He kind of goes back and forth. And no, this is the album, the second and last album without a polka medley. How did that sit
0: well? Okay? I know, and it's a bummer, but at the same time, he bombed so hard with polka party. I understand. He was maybe he was like they just don't like it. The kids just don't want a polka. I got to move away from it. Jimmy stirs out there telling everyone I got a fake name. <laughs> I need to distance myself from this. I've been shamed by the polka community. I've been. Everyone disowned. thinks I'm bad, and then he got kind of internalized. When you think I'm bad, I'm even worse. That's what I am, and that's how we got this.
1: Honestly, if there a polka medley on this would have elevated this album I think to maybe like top 5 to be honest cuz I really enjoyed this one.
0: I agree and I think he he did noticeably step it up especially on the parodies like you said from the mm-hmm. last album and I think it's because of that that backlash that he got. Not that I'm condoning negative reinforcement, but Al, you did it. You did a great <laughs> job on this one. Let's take a listen to the
1: second parody on the album which is track 3 which is a take on george harrison's cover of got my mind set on you this song is just six words long
0: this song is just six words long this song is just six words long couldn't think of any lyrics no i never wrote the lyrics so i'll just sing any old lyrics that come to Do
1: it right, child. Jay, that's my pick for favorite parody on this album.
0: Jay, I don't blame you. That's a great one. Yeah. That's a terrific one. I'm a huge fan of the actual George Harrison song. Yep. This is the best direction you could possibly go in with your parody of it. It's yeah, fantastic. Making fun of the
1: simpleness of the song and just the overall goofiness of you know songwriting. and I love it. It's just so fun and cheery. And uh, it just edged out. I think I'm a clone now for me, which is also very. I also
0: clever. really love when he does a song about the songwriting process kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not That's as cool. much of a staple of his catalog as other topics, but he's got a couple of them. And I always enjoy it. This is great, man. I also love this song.
1: It's more than six words in the chorus, <laughs> which is funny. You know, just repeating the same words, not putting rhymes where they're supposed to be it's it's freaking it's awesome i just love everything oh it.
0: at the end probably my favorite part of that song is he says i know if i put my mind to it i know i could put a good rhyme here yeah exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> rudy clark is the original artist i didn't know it was a. Cover. oh yeah
0: and... it's definitely
1: a cover yeah Absolutely. i didn't know it until i saw the uh that the latest edgar wright movie did you see that uh one night in
0: what the hell is it some i one still night haven't of... seen it and okay. I'm upset that you just made me admit that on a public forum.
1: <laughs> All I'm here for is to make, make everyone
0: think you're lesser. The lesser Jay. You might have to bleep out that thing that you just said to me. <laughs> we might have to hand fart over that. Sorry. You said below, everybody.
1: I'm just here to... I'm trying to... I've been working on the low one.
0: Right. I think you need a better mic to pick up on your bass farts. Track four.
1: I'm torn here, too, between this one and another one as my favorite original, but this is the Oingo Boingo pastiche, You Make Me, which I feel like is a dare-to-be-stupid part, too.
0: I agree. It's got kind of the same feel yeah, of, it's a of, of a lot of that album. Yep. It's
1: the one crazy summer to uh, Better Off Dead. Let's take a listen.
0: You make me want to slide my head against the wall. You make me do the limbo. You make me want to buy a slurpee at the mall. You make me watch the gong show. There's really something kind of strange about you, baby, Good. It's been stuck in my head all week, man. What a catchy song. That's been stuck in my
1: head my entire life, to be quite <laughs> honest. That and the song is just six words long is, are definitely two songs that have just stayed with me forever. Uh, same for good old days. Yeah, this was a, this I is, think that this is a big we're getting
0: into... Not that there's not older songs that do this, but we're getting into the time period where there's going to be a whole lot of original songs that I love as as songs and I'm like yeah you make me rocks I love that song I don't care that it's about building a fortress out of Belgian waffles that is not <laughs> relevant to how I feel about this piece of music <laughs> and it gets just kind of I mean weird again there's that word lyrical content not really being as important anymore once we get into a certain part of his, his career where I'm gonna be picking favorites based on whether or not I think it's the best song on the album not based on how many laughs it got out of me
1: I I would love to see if Danny Elfman had the same reaction that Mark Mothersbaugh had, where he was was offended by
0: it. (laughs) It was so good.
1: (laughs) It's sick how he just nails all those little, those little tiny things, like in the background, like the little percussion sounds, the weird beep boops. Like he nails everything. It's crazy. Like the little, like you know, it sounds like a like a hammer hitting an anvil. It's perfect. It's just the same exact way all those dumb songs in the '80s did, especially Oingo Boingo and. Devo, I guys. feel
0: like there's definitely more of those direct rip-offs of, uh, you know, a style parody, a rip-off of a specific band sound that are keyed in that that tightly to the source mm-hmm. material. I feel like there's a few more on this album than there have been on previous ones, and they're all pretty exceptional. Yep. This one is is absolutely oingo boingo to a T. Track five is parody of Tiffany doing the old Tommy
1: James and the Shondells. I think I'm alone now. I think I'm a clone now. Great, and so many great little jokes and word plays in this one. Oh, man, this was almost my
0: pick for favorite parody because of... Yeah, it is brilliant. The lyrics are so clever. In a test tube and a womb with a view, Jay. (laughs) A womb with a... That is a brilliant, brilliant lyric. Every pair of jeans is a hand-me-down. It's so funny, and I, as you've probably noticed from us, like being friends with the Fantastic Plastics and me being a big Devo fan, etc. I'm a huge synthesizer guy. So I'm actually not only a huge fan of Tommy James and the Sean Delson, this song to begin with. I really like the Tiffany version. There's a lot of like 80s mall pop that I'm kind of into because it was a great time for synthesizers. This song being one of them, man. That Tiffany version of I Think We're Alone Now is great. Yep. What he does here elevates it. <laughs> it is. He has improved that song. Almost every
1: line has some kind of, like, joke in it. Like, every other line. It's really very impressive. That's where that extra year went. Went right yeah, into Yeah, you
0: this. see, Scotty Brothers, what happens <laughs> when you let the man do his own thing? You don't try to force him into girls just wanting to have lunch? Yep.
1: Living like, with
0: hernias, do you see?
1: I guess you could say
0: I'm really beside myself. That's another great line. Human cloning was definitely not something he had. he had... Beaten the horse to death with just yet. (laughs) All right, track six, another parody of the traditional
1: folk song La Bamba. And uh, this one uh, is a little offensive. I feel a little offended by this one, but it's it's Jay's favorite. It's lasagna. This All right, least, first off, weird actually,
0: favorite, that's a Richie Valens song. La Bamba's a Richie Valens song. No, I, if I am wrong and it is like an old Spanish is,
1: staple, I apologize. I mean, he made it famous for sure, but it is an old like traditional folk tune.
0: Okay, I did yep. not know that. Yep, yep. Uh, Also, I'm somewhat Italian. I am 25% Italian. I don't want anyone playing the race card on me here because I'm allowed to say the sentence I'm about to. Italian racism is hilarious. (laughs) It is great, and most of them are fine with it. I can call my grandmother right now and be like, are you okay with us talking about how you like meatballs and marinara sauce? She'll be like, yes, because I do. They're all proud of it. (laughs) It's fine to make fun of them if they think it's a good thing. I just
1: I am more than fifty percent Italian, so I'm allowed to be offended by it. And I just the, I think the best part is the gargling solo that it led off. I with love there. the gargling solo. <laughs> That's it's it getting for me.
0: edged out for my favorite part of this song because the man rhymes zucchini, fettuccine, linguine, with you getting too skinny. <laughs> See, I don't like it for that
1: reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this one. This is my least favorite song.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Jay, I'm not you know I'm you not like. really. I'm not you really offended. You know you like.
1: I'm not really offended. I I just don't think it's that great or clever, especially compared to the other stuff on here. I think
0: it's a Oh little... man, this one gets the heartiest laughs out of me. And it might be that <laughs> that element of stupidity that is not as present on the rest of this album. Man, this one Tickles my funny bones in just the right... Mamma mia, this song is hysterical. I do like that he took a you know a song and
1: just flipped the genre of the the culture <laughs> that it was for. Yes. Yep. That, that's funny in itself. He, he just got lucky lasagna rhymed with La Bamba. Kinda. Kinda, sorta. It sort of does. <laughs> Kinda, sorta. Past the parmigiana. All right. Moving on. Track seven is
0: Melanie... Another original. This is my pick for back to back here. This is my pick for favorite original. Sweet man.
1: another dark one it is a little dark your, your pick for favorite original little stalker song it's great i love those harmonies on the chorus especially in the beginning with note when they're just it's, what a
0: beautiful song he wrote about <laughs> terrorizing some poor woman's life it is it's it's beautiful it's very catchy it's one of those great love songs that goes a little too far type of Songs that he likes to write, another one of those kind of hashtag scorned lover songs fits right in there. And at the tail end of the song, kind of a Al Knight Shyamalan twist that he likes to throw in there, where in the last verse, uh, the narrator dies. He he commits suicide to get (laughs) Melanie's attention. And that brings our death toll up for our first death on this album. You know what? I got so lost in it because I like it so much that I didn't even catch that part of the ending. You, there's people dropping dead all around you, Jay, and you're I, not even paying attention.
1: I just, my eyes just turn into hearts, and then I'm just, I'm just floating and enjoying the song, <laughs>
0: thinking about true love and the paranormal. So of distracted by that. Melanie's beauty that he never even noticed the man plummeting to his death it was also from the fun. roof of the building above. It's also
1: fun that at that exact age, my friend had a crush on a girl named Melanie. Oh, I thought you were going to say he killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jesus. <geez. laughs> Track eight, which I don't have a clip of, is Alimony, parody of Money Money. Some decent rhymes in there, you know, trying to squeeze more money from me like a stony. It's, it's, it's a better parody than I usually
0: give it credit for. Having yeah. to revisit it for this, I was like, you know, this is actually funnier and more clever than I usually think of it. I think it is just the direct. The song's "Money, Money." The parody's "Alimony." Yep. They're just so yeah. I get it. Let's move on. <laughs> Nature of that, I think, cheapened it in my mind when I wasn't actively listening to it, and I heard it a few times this week, and I I think it's better than I usually give it credit for. The production, there's a noticeable shift that he does where the popular version of "Money, Money" by Billy Idol is a live recording. Mm-hmm. And it's not like on one of his studio albums. And they absolutely changed the way that they are recording songs, Weird Al and his band, to make it sound like this was recorded at a giant live 80s concert. Mm -hmm. Yep. I appreciate that a lot. It's a nice touch. We did it on probably the weakest song on this album, but it was a nice touch.
1: Way to go, Rick Derringer. We knew you had more in you than Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. I didn't.
0: I've been convinced, but I
1: didn't have that much of a hunch to begin with. Track nine is Velvet Elvis, which is a style parody of The Police. And again, he writes an amazing police song singing about a Velvet Elvis painting.
0: This is a great police song. I am slightly irked when he goes back to the same well. Uh, It's certainly not too many times because he's done a direct police cover and now he's writing his own police song. It is still more than he usually goes to one specific artist with the exception of Michael Jackson on this, this album. I guess that actually makes me accept it a little bit more too is that, well, he did his second michael jackson parody so in his mind he's probably going well it's not another police parody it's i just wrote a police song
1: yeah you're you're probably underestimating the popularity of the police in the 80s i'm sure that's part of it as well yeah yeah. they were huge
0: the combination of the ska upstrokes and then the like rock radio rhythmic guitar yeah it's great the build up the slow part then the fast part then it comes back down and the again, vocal harmonies are one of his strong suits, and he nails them that's I think one of his biggest tools in his in his toolbox is that he really has an ear for the specific vocal harmonies that a band mm-hmm. brings to the table, and shows all of us that that'll take you a long way to sounding exactly like them,
1: yeah. And it's I think that's probably part of it that he could really sing like sound like Sting pretty well. So, you know, being that that's in his vocal range wheelhouse, I'm sure it factored into like, let's do another one of those because I can really sound like. him.
0: Well, and if you're not ripping off Sting, there's just not that many times in throughout your day that you get to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just glad Al didn't defund the police. This silence is not because I'm pausing or trying to think of something to say. It's because you deserve nothing. You deserve this silence. I'm moving it on. That's what this deserves. Track 10 is a style parody of the Beastie Boys.
1: That's the whole song.
0: That's it. That's also where I ripped the, yeah, buddy, that I brought myself in to this episode with from, is because he does that in that song, and it is such a perfect Beastie Boys thing. I don't even know if maybe more, maybe once in a song, someone in the Beastie Boys says, yeah, buddy, when he does it, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's totally them. That's something, that that's ad
1: rock. Dude, this was... Such a blast from the past! I completely forgot about this, and it me made too. Me, I did not remember this song heading into this. My ears popped because I smiled so hard; like it popped my ears. I could, I totally forgot about this, and it was the best part of my entire day. It's
0: so funny to me. I don't know why. It does have an <laughs> element of stupidity that's not really there on much of the rest of this album. But oh my god, I laughed so hard at this song, and it kind of. In the best way to poke fun at the Beastie Boys shows that, like Beastie Boys in the '80s, is like they're just writing like commercial jingles for you. <laughs> like this is not, this is not high art.
1: Oh, absolutely insane! And what a bizarre combination. It's a minute and three seconds long. That's literally almost the exact the whole thing that we played there. That's half of it. But just so insane. What on earth prompted him to? Take the game Twister, write a jingle about it as sung by the Beastie Boys. It's so insane. It's the most random thing yet. Am I wrong? I mean, it's it's more bizarre than the George of the Jungle theme song because it's a made up jingle to a board game, wrapped by the Beastie Boys. It's so insane. Like I can't make it my favorite because it just blows my mind. It's not. It's like it's not a real thing. Like it's it's. it's I wasn't it's, it's fully weird.
0: convinced that I was gonna tell you that it. It was weirder than, than covering the George of the Jungle theme song. But you bring up a real valid point that with George of the Jungle, he was essentially like, I kind of like jingles. I'm going to cover one, maybe like a TV theme song. Here he went, I'm going to write one first. Then I'm going to cover it as a band that I am not in.
1: <laughs> uh, fun fact about this one, he did 20 takes. Of the vocals, and then went with the first one because it sounded just terrible and most like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is beautiful! I love that so much. It's so insane. It's so insane. You know what? If I had remembered that that existed when I met Weird Al at the the VIP tour thing, I would have 100% asked him, "What the hell, dude? Like, what?" How did those two things come together? And I'm going to research this for next week's Weird Alculey really, because I need to know more about it.
0: Oh, I do, too. And I'm so happy you said that because, A, I want to know the story, and, B, I don't want to do the research. So I really <laughs> hope you follow up and I get to have a story time. All right. The final track, and, man, it's a
1: doozy. It was almost my pick for for my favorite original. This was almost my pick as well. Speaking of dark, let's get dark with the good old days.
0: I can still remember good old Mr. Fender Who ran the corner grocery store Oh, he'd stroll down the aisle with a big friendly smile he'd say howdy when you walked in the door Always treated me nice, gave me kindly advice I don't know why I set fire to his place Oh, I'll never forget the day I bashed in his head. Well, you should have seen the look on his face. Let me tell you now. Those were the good old days. Those were the good old days. The years go by, but the memory stays. And those were the good old days. (laughs) Wow. This is... Maybe the darkest certainly up to this point the darkest al song we have we have encountered. <laughs> Good lord, sir. Are you okay? This song is amazing and it's so it dark. Some of the other So, I'm glad you chose that clip because one thing I need to bring up is obviously Mr. Fender gets his head bashed in so our <laughs> our body count's going up by 1. Yep. In the final verse of this song, and here's one I wanted to talk to you about, he talks about a girl named Michelle who he took to the high school dance, then he shaved off all her hair, then he taped her to a chair, then he dragged her out to the desert, and he left her there, and he doesn't know if she ever made it home. He never heard her saw from her again. Is Michelle dead? Do I count Michelle? Mm. So if a person's missing
1: forever, at what point how many years is it? do you have to wait to so they're considered dead? I think that's what you have to look up there. And then we subtract 1988 from today. So is it more than we go oh eight, from 2022, 18, so it's it not 35.
0: <laughs> it's not the death toll as it would have existed at the time when this album was recorded. It's our death toll now because Michelle has just been gone for so long. She's been missing for 36 years. Is she considered officially <laughs> dead? That's the question. I mean, maybe you have to know how old she was when she went missing. I'm just trying. Well, to Well, high the school. Math. He says that it was the okay. high school prom or like the high school dance. So she's somewhere in that 16 to 18 range. I'll do a little more digging this week. Okay. I want I want you to get me the, how the hell did we get Beastie Boys Twister, and I will get you, is Michelle dead, Unsolved Mysteries. Well, also, let's consider, do flies die when you pull their wings off? Because that's also in the song. And he says that he, he tortures torches. rats with a hacksaw. <laughs> and let me tell you, that is the reason that this was not my pick for favorite original on this album. Because I have... Three seven-week-old baby boy rats in the other room right now who are just precious, and I could not do it to my furry little oh my sons.
1: Did you put little earmuffs on them when you were listening to the song?
0: Uh, no, I make them listen to it when they're bad, And <laughs> when, they, when they pee on me, when I take them out. Like, I'm putting on that that yankovic james taylor pistachio it's happening you put a picture of weird al
1: right next to the cage just play the song in a loop like some sort of guantanamo torture rat device
0: (laughs) i just cover their cage with a hawaiian shirt so good good old days god it's so dark man it's very funny though this is a funny album man he really he really did step it up he really did nail it for all of the kind of head shaking and I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed that I had to lay on you about polka (laughs) parties, parodies. You nailed it, man. This is great. He really did step it up, especially with parodies on this album. It's so nice to have almost all the parodies be as good
1: as the originals. It's really something. There were definite ones we didn't like, definite like stinkers on some of the other albums. There's not one true stinker on this whole thing.
0: There's absolutely not a song where I go, that's just bad. I didn't skip anything even on my like fifth or sixth listen this week, mm-hmm. which usually at that point, I want the ones that I really want to hear again and then the ones that I feel like I'm going to need to talk about at length on this very show. I'll make sure that I, I put my time in. I'm dedicated to you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week, what do we got? Is it UHF? Next week is going to be the UHF soundtrack. We're going to have another guest, my buddy Ken Reed, who is the host of the TV Guidance Counselor podcast will be joining us. He has done some Q&As and some film screenings with Al in the past, and he's a big fan. He's going to join us. He insisted on doing the UHF soundtrack, so he's going to join us for what awesome. many consider to be another one of Al's lowest ranking or worst albums. So I'm kind of happy that we're going to have someone who wants to gush about it.
1: Yeah, that's great. I don't rem- I can't even think off the top of my head, aside from like the UHF song itself, what's on there. Because, I don't know, just kind of being, being that it's the soundtrack, I'm like, what's what's in there? I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to find out. That's the beauty of doing this, too. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, is that you just there's all these just hidden classics and things you've forgotten about completely. Like Twister, for example. Didn't see that coming. And oh, it just ran me over in a super comfortable way.
0: I don't care how many times... It has been said. You can always continue to say it. We will never overstate on this podcast how much we are enjoying yeah. deep diving into each of these albums and taking this way more seriously than we need to. <laughs> yeah, and it's
1: like it's like hearing new Weird Al songs because we've just forgotten about so many of them. And oh, I'm looking at the list, and yeah, I don't know like a lot of these, so I'm excited. We'll talk to you next
0: week. See you.
1: Weird albums.
0: Our current death toll stands at 7,425,781 people, several rats and flies.